Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Richard Haynes Real Estate Podcast. It is the start of 2021, January 4th, 2021. Everyone's back at work, committed to their New Year's resolutions and getting started off on the right foot. I am here from our new office in Malaga Cove, much smaller, a single person office, if you can see behind me. Um, Obviously, with the pandemic, no one's going into our larger office space, so we've downsized to a smaller space, and here I am by myself, committed to doing more podcasts for you guys in addition to our weekly written blog. I'm going to try and get after this every week for you, no promises at least every month, but I am fired up to get going on the podcast again in 2021, and we've got a video camera recording us right behind. If you notice, I've put up some pictures and some plants to hide our boxes, but we'll get unloaded here in the new Manhattan Pacific Realty office here shortly. Um, Let's get into it. As you guys know, we are a South Bay-focused real estate brokerage um, specializing in Palos Verdes, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, and Manhattan Beach, but generally um, the South Bay and some areas of greater Los Angeles. Uh, The podcast this week, we're going to cover three topics. We're going to catch up on what happened in 2020 and what is driving this powerful run-up in the residential real estate market. Topic number two, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to go through the best performing and worst performing markets in the South Bay, the top five best and top five worst in the South Bay for 2020. And then the third part of the podcast will be preparing for 2021. I'm going to be giving a few tips to sellers and buyers on how to prepare for this residential real estate market in 2021 so you can succeed in selling your house for top dollar or finding the home of your dreams that is just right for you. Okay, topic number one, what is driving the real estate market? What has driven the real estate market in 2020? As you guys know, the real estate market was flipped on its head in 2020. Uh, With the coronavirus pandemic, the first couple months of the stay-at-home order, we saw sales collapse, we saw price weakness, and then coming out of the stay-at-home order and people realizing that home is more important than ever in the current environment, we've seen a powerful run-up in sales and prices throughout all of Los Angeles, the state, and even the country. So what's driving this market currently? There are three main factors driving this market, in my opinion. I'm sure there's countless other factors that I'm leaving out, but the three most important, in my humble opinion, are number one, and and most definitely the most powerful, are historically low interest rates. I don't care how you slice it, rates were already incredibly low in the mid-threes, maybe touching 4%, for some people the low threes, the fact that we are seeing rates go even lower than that is fueling the price increases that we're seeing today. Sure, there's a pandemic on our hands, which I'll get to in point number two, 
but the old adage of don't fight the Fed, that holds true here in the real estate market. We are seeing unprecedented buying power for our clients. And so when you see a rate collapse from 3.5% to 2.5%, a buyer's purchasing power goes up in a big way. And not only that, we are seeing high net worth borrowers get even better rates than what you're seeing in the news sources today. I am seeing 2% interest rates. I am seeing 1.8% interest rates on interest-only debt, as well as medium to long-term arm rates, uh, which is simply incredible. And if you go from a 3.5% rate to, say, a 1.5% rate, it's almost impossible, in at least in my opinion, not to see prices rise unless you are in a horrific economy. Um, so really the main driver of the strong real estate market are historically low interest rates. Number two, the pandemic, that is obvious. Home has never been more important and being at the office and commuting has never been less important. So this pandemic for a number of obvious reasons has fueled buyers desire to purchase homes more than ever. And we've seen that because four separate walls separated from everyone else with your own backyard, a front yard space, people want hand over fist. We've seen condos and townhomes underperform in this market. They haven't gone down, but we've seen that sharing a hallway with your neighbors or multiple walls and being having to pass by one of your neighbors um, without that privacy has held back certain parts of the market. COVID-19 is driving home sales and it's driving markets that generally weren't considered because of commuting. And I'll get to that later in the podcast. And the third and final factor for me on what is driving this market, millennials coming of age. And what I mean by that is older millennials are getting into their mid-30s, late-30s. Younger millennials are in their mid to late 20s. They're finally starting to get married. You've got family formation happening at a scale larger than the baby boom generation. And so now that millennials are starting to have family formation, the need for more space, three bedrooms, four bedrooms, and an office is also really driving this market. Millennials are starting to make good money. They're being promoted in their jobs. Some boomers are starting to retire. It's opening up more opportunities. And uh, there is now a yearning to put down roots and have a nice family environment in a single-family home. Of course, you can raise an amazing family without owning a home. Renting, I always think, is a great option. And you can raise a family in a condo, much like people do in New York City. Outside of a pandemic, it can be done, but millennials coming of age are wanting single-family homes. And when you pair that with a pandemic, working from home, and historically low interest rates, you have a perfect cocktail 
to push this market higher as we've seen in this second half of 2020. So keep that in mind as long as interest rates stay low, as long as we have a slow vaccine rollout and millennials keep getting married and having kids, you've got um, the drivers in place for this market to go higher in 2021. Moving on to topic number two of the podcast this week, the best and worst performing markets of 2020. Last year, I did a blog post at manhattanpacificrealty.com slash blog on the best and worst performing markets of the decade. I did that at the end of 2019. This year, I just did 2020. The decade was nice to see uh, with the crash of the great financial crisis and then the run-up to 2019. This year's fun to do because of the crazy, unprecedented year we've had with the coronavirus. So um, let's start with the best performing markets, the top five. Um, Number five, and really it is... Uh, three sub-markets within Palace Verde's driving the top five best markets. Um, coming in at number five is the Palace Verde's La Cresta sub-market, which is up 15.4% this year um, from November 2019 on a rolling 12-month average uh, when looking at medium prices. Palace Verde's La Cresta market is up 15 0.4%. Moving on to number four is another Palos Verdes market, and that is behind the gates. The gated city of Rolling Hills is up 21.3% for 2019. And I think this is hardly a surprise. Huge, multiple acre lots behind a gated fence with tons and tons of room, it makes perfect sense that Rolling Hills would be up huge. The interesting thing about Rolling Hills being up 21.3% is on my blog post last year, worst performing markets of the decade, Rolling Hills was the worst performing market of the last 10 years. It was only up 8% from 2010 to the end of 2019. So you have a market that over 10 years only rose 8%. 8%. Granted, it's a small submarket, um, but to see it jump 21.3% in a coronavirus-driven market is pretty amazing, and it makes a lot of sense. People don't worry about the commute anymore. They love the rural aspect and the safety it brings of having a ton of land with not a lot of people behind you and no one driving through your neighborhood unless they live there. So that's number four on the list. The next two, number three and number two, make a lot of sense. They're both in East Manhattan Beach. Number three, Manhattan Beach Maricosta submarket is up 24.5%, and the Manhattan Heights Liberty Village neighborhood is up 24.8%. So you have two East Manhattan Beach markets up over 24%, and again, it makes sense. Those areas tend to have some of the largest lots in all of Manhattan Beach. You typically see a full-size lot in East Manhattan Beach at 7,500 square feet. That blows tree section properties out of the water. You see a lot of 4,500, 4,800 square foot foot lots to get another 50% in lot square footage, and it allows you to build bigger homes 
East Manhattan Beach has been a beneficiary of the coronavirus pandemic. Drop that into the fact that it also is more affordable than the sand section, hill section, or trees. You have people trying to break into the Manhattan Beach market using historically low interest rates, uh, and and they all want a piece of East Manhattan Beach. Um, so it has really been a great year for the, that neck of the woods. And uh, if you read my predictions for 2020, I said East Manhattan Beach was one of the riskiest markets in all of the South Bay. Well, the coronavirus sure put me in my place, and uh, you see what happened with prices being up as high as they were. And coming in number one for the best performing markets is the Palos Verdes Country Club submarket up 25.6%. Again, this was a pocket that probably underperformed for the decade relative to other South Bay markets, but Palos Verdes during the COVID-19 pandemic looks really, really good to buyers. They're probably working from home for the next six to 12 months, and when they were buying throughout 2020, they were looking at the next year. It's affordable real estate views, backyards, um, a great school system, and a lot more square footage for your buck for extra bedrooms and work from home space. So Palos Verdes Country Club submarket comes in number one for the year of 2020. Moving on the worst performing submarkets of 2020, you've got a surprise here. Number five on the list Malaga Cove of Palos Verdes Estates is down just under 4%. I think that's a surprise. You have big lots in Malaga Cove. You've got access to the beach. You've got access to Malaga Cove Plaza. And you have some unbelievable, awe-inspiring Queen's necklace views from Malaga Cove. Uh, To me, it's a blip on the radar for Malaga Cove. My gut is there are a lot of long-term owners. The pandemic hit. And they just don't want to sell. They're happy as clams with their backyards in Palos Verdes and their views of the Queen's Necklace. And the homes that would have commanded big bucks just didn't come out for sale this year because people uh, decided to ride out the pandemic at home. I could be wrong. Numbers don't lie. But Malaga Cove's underperformed down 3.99% for 2020. Um, Bringing up number four and... Well, well, we'll stick with number four is South Redondo, west of Pacific Coast Highway. So one of the most desirable, one of the most desirable areas in all of the South Bay, and it, it probably the most desirable area of all of Redondo Beach is west of PCH in South Redondo. That was down 5.4%. My hunch here is that even though it's super desirable, it is a beach sand section type community, lots of condos, lots of townhomes. That doesn't mesh well with the pandemic. That area is down 5.4%, surprisingly. Number three on the list, Palos Verdes Mara Catalina, down 6.9%. This is an area with backyards. It's out there, away from a lot of civilization. But what I think it comes down to is, Buyers kind of went, hey, Mara Catalina gives us a lot of what we want in PV, but it's a little too far out there. I mean, Mara Catalina takes you uh, about as long as possible if you're coming from the beach cities or even from San Pedro or the 110 freeway. It's a long time to get to Mara Catalina. And if you want to get to any uh, restaurant by the beach, 
uh, it's a long drive. It's farther than Trump. So I think buyers just went, hey, as much as we like Mary Catalina, uh, and there are some excellent views overlooking uh, uh, Santa Catalina Island, it's just quite frankly too far, and the area was down 6.9%. Bringing up number two, Manhattan Beach Village. This is an East Manhattan Beach location. So what gives... Uh, on the Manhattan Beach Village being down 7.2%. Well, Manhattan Beach Village is a planned unit development, much like, or what we like to call them in real estate, PUDs. So PUDs are what you see in Palm Springs. And so you have a mixture of townhomes that share walls, condo complexes, and a few detached single-family homes. And quite a few of the complexes have parking that is uncovered um, with smaller garages. So that just didn't mix this year. And Manhattan Beach Village, even though uh, its neighbors in East Manhattan Beach were up huge, PUDs, condos, townhomes, just not in demand. MB Village down 7.2% in the number two slot. And then number one, the worst performing market of the South Bay for 2020, South Redondo comes in again. It's the neck of the woods south of Torrance Boulevard. So really quite surprisingly, uh, you know, South Redondo, super desirable place to be, down 8.1%, bringing up the worst performing market of 2020. Again, much like its counterpart at number four, south of Torrance Boulevard has quite a bit of townhomes. Um, that just weren't in vogue this year. You do have the avenues with some amazing single-family homes, um, but there are quite a bit of townhomes, and I think that was the drag in this marketplace. Um, So I'll leave it at that. Those are the best and worst-performing markets of 2020 in the South Bay, and we're going to get to our third and final topic here really quickly. Preparing for 2021 and the advice I can give you in early 2021 based on how I've seen the market wrap up in 2020, we're going to start with sellers. I have advised sellers that I work with. I'm advising anyone who's considering selling in 2021. I think if you're a seller, you would be wise to jump the market and list sooner rather than later. Of course, not everyone has the luxury of going, hey, I can sell anytime in 2021. January, February, July, September, not everyone has that luxury. But if you do have that luxury or you're considering a sale and can make some things happen based on a plan, I really think jumping the market and getting your property on early, I'm talking listing January, February, or early March. Why am I saying this? Well, we've had an incredible surge with historically low interest rates. We have buyers who are desperate for space amid this coronavirus pandemic, and it hasn't slowed down. You want to strike why the iron's hot, and it is still hot. I think things could change heading into Q2 or second half of the year when there's a vaccine and people go, I'm vaccinated. I can go back into the city. I can go back into the office. I'm going to be eating at restaurants. I'm back in my car again. And sure, you may own property in the city or nearby restaurants. The point I'm making is, is you have a furiously hot seller's market And I think it's wise to list in this first quarter and keep 
uh, and take advantage of that heat in the market. And really, there are some people go, well, what if I miss the rally through this through the second half? I think you have a couple risks. Is when a market slows, you lose that pricing power. And you lose listing your home, getting multiple offers and going over asking above all the comps. And when people start to feel the market slow, you stop setting records on comps and ultimately you lose money. If the market was to continue to rally into the second half, most people, when they sell their property, they're taking that cash and buying another home. Or if you're going to keep that cash for something else, well, normally people put it into other assets, whether it be stocks, new business ventures, whatnot, if the rally continues, other asset classes are likely to rally with it. And so if you take that money and put it into another asset class, it'll probably continue to rally. Um, Whereas I just don't think it's worth risking an illiquid asset in the second half of the year. So anyway, I'm going on and on. And the last point for sellers Please, please, please get a 3D tour of your home. It should be a new industry standard after the coronavirus pandemic. But that being said, not everyone's comfortable touring houses in mass. Not everyone lives locally. There's tons of buyers uh, buying from out of town looking for more space. The South Bay offers that, either Beach Life or Palos Verdes. Um, you need a 3D tour so people can click a button and go through your property as if they were there. It should be done with every listing amid the pandemic, and I really think it should be an industry standard um, from here moving forward. So make sure you get a 3D tour with your agent. Um, Buyers, wrapping up the podcast with you. The tips for preparing for 2021, patience, my clients think I am a broken record and they they you know know I'm beating a dead horse here. But patience, patience, patience. Wait for the right property. It's a tough market for buyers. Don't get discouraged. Your right property is going to come. But when you're waiting, 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 multiple offers, sometimes it causes you to make poor decisions and buy a home that's maybe not right for you. And you're going to be disappointed a few months later. Have patience. Set up plans to keep your home now for the long term. Extend your rental and go back to your landlord and renegotiate if you find something later. But have plans six months, nine months, even to be able to live where you are through the entirety of 2021 to wait for that right home. Now, whenever that right home comes, it could be tomorrow or it could be in 12 months. If it is the absolute right one that you've been waiting for, if the market is still hot, you need to push hard. And it's You can't look at comps anymore and go, here are the comps. We're going to pay this comp. You have got to go over comps. So push hard. I know it's you cringe to pay more um, than other comps, but if you're making a 10-year investment or longer, you'll look back 10 years from now and go, you know what? It was the right move to pay 50 grand higher than comps, 100 grand higher than comps to get into a house that we absolutely love and is right for us. And last but not least, point number two for buyers, listen to your agent. It's going to be more more important than ever to know what's going on on the ground floor. I think the first quarter is still going to be hot. If it's still hot, when the right home comes, you've got to push hard. But your agent is going to know if the market starts turning and cooling off with vaccines. And you will know 
through your agents and seeing other listings when the market's starting to cool. If you see a property that used to get multiple offers and you're shocked that it didn't and it stayed on the market for a month or so and just got full asking or slipped a little bit and you thought for sure it would go over, that could be a sign that the market's starting to cool. And that's where you need to lean on your agent and go, okay, now we don't have to be as aggressive and you won't make a mistake of paying more than the comps when the market's starting to slow. If it even does slow. I hate saying that. I'd love to be optimistic that it would slow, but it might not. So anyway, that's why there's uh, even more, why, why it warrants even more patience and for you to have plans to stay where you're at through 2021. All right. That's where we're going to leave the podcast this week. Next week, we're going to jump into my predictions for 2021. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off, but nonetheless, it's a super fun blog that I post every year, and it's going to be a really fun podcast where I can get into deeper detail than I do normally in written form. So thanks for listening along. We'll see you next week and have a great start to your new year. See ya. See ya.